Hello. Hello. Welcome to Wisteria Gaze, a show where I, Mackenzie, and I, Liz, watch and discuss every episode of Desperate Housewives one at a time. And we're gay. At the top of the episode, before we dive into 214, we wanted to acknowledge the timing of the Xiao Mei storyline beginning in this episode and how it correlates with the representation of the Asian community in media, especially in the wake of the horrific events of the racially charged shooting in Atlanta this past week. We firmly stand against racism and hate towards the AAPI community. To take action, we have provided some donation links below to help. If you are employed or have the funds, we highly recommend looking into these organizations and donating. And thank you. Thank you. Hello again. Hello. Are you ready to talk about... Why did I say it like that? <laughs> because you love me and that's okay. You're right. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. Then I take back my apologies. Guess what, Mackenzie? Wh- what? From here on out... I'm not apologizing for at least the rest of season two. That's bold. I will never say I'm sorry. We've got like 10 more episodes. Unless I really fuck up and I do something so messed up. That is so awful. Like love Susan? Like love Susan. (laughs) And then I'll issue an apology. Yes. Are you ready to talk about season two, episode 14? I am more than ready oh my gosh then let's just dive in let's, please let's just dive please, right in please this episode premiered february 12th 2006 it was written by tom speziali yeah this is like a valentine's day episode Te- technically i would suppose yeah, yeah. anyway tom <laughs> Ro- written by tom speziali directed by robert duncan mcneil which is a director we haven't seen it a bit, but he previously directed the episode My Heart Belongs to Daddy, which I looked up. I was like, oh, what was that episode? And I cannot believe what happened in that episode. It was <laughs> the Susan seeing Zach in the park episode. Okay. It was the Andrew imitating Bree's sex noises while she eats pie episode. <laughs> it was the conjugal visit episode. And it was the Mrs. Mulberry episode. That is extremely Can- wild, but I get the same vibes because I was going to say before we started like talking about the actual episode... That once in a while we get to a Desperate Housewives episode that does not feel (laughs) like the rest of them. And this feels like that to me. This episode feels so different than the past couple ones. Yeah, I I see that. I just was like reading the plot synopsis of this director's previous episode. And it's only like 12 episodes ago. And yet it feels like an eternity ago that all of those things happened. It was like a year ago. Yeah. (laughs) So... That's who did this episode. What another world. For hashtag Sondheim Watch, the title Silly People is a song Stephen Sondheim wrote for the musical A Little Night Music that was later cut. They The the writers of this show love doing Sondheim songs that don't exist anymore. Hell yeah. Don't and for <laughs> Wisteria International, in France, this episode was called Bets Are Gonna Arrive. Which Interesting. I, could, I don't know where the hell that comes from. Bet your ass. We're going <laughs> to arrive there at the plot for the Apple Whites. Yes. I don't know. Yes. In Germany, this was called Crazy Ideas. Okay. And this one makes the most sense. In Italy, it was called Improbable Friendships, which leans into the Mary Alice monologue. Yeah. So at least that I can find a source for that title. I like that. Improbable Friendships. That one's nice. It's cute. And a fun fact. Did you notice anything? I'm just going to ask you first before I tell you. Did you notice anything weird about the previously on this episode? Was there something that never happened in it? Yes. How did you know that? I was guessing. Yes. (laughs) Not that I watched the The episode. The season. The season? The scene with Susan being told about her wandering spleen careening to her heart. We never saw that. And then the other doctor who we've never seen going, you got to get your insurance figured out. Oh, yeah. Like, that never happened. We've never seen that. Yeah, we never... Because I was wondering, and we'll talk about it in the episode, where some of Susan's, like, plot stuff came up from. And it's good to know that instead of actually getting it in an episode, we got it in a previously on that <laughs> is skippable. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it, it's... And, like, I'm not blaming Susan at all for this. because, But, like... <laughs> Because, like, it doesn't feel like it goes from zero to 100 of her being like, my spleen is going to crash into my heart and I will die. And it's like, where did that come from? It, apparently that scene was in an episode. They just cut it. So it ended up on the cutting room floor. And I'm wondering if when they were editing, they realized this episode was completely about that. And that's why they had to include it. And it feels like this is her main plot point. So why did yeah. they cut it in the first place? 
I don't know. But I found that fun fact and I thought it was very funny that technically the previously on gives us a very important plot point and we never saw it in another episode. Can you imagine like watching this show live and being like, okay, I'm, I got home a little late from work. I only missed the previously and on. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what? And then Susan's like, I'm going to die tomorrow. And you're like, where did that come from? That Yeah. Uh, so I just thought that was funny. I wanted to know if you noticed it. And you kind of did. Look at you, King. Yeah, I'm a genius. <laughs> now let's jump into the plot. The sodi. Yeah. It's juicy. It's juicy. It's bubbling. It's carbonated. Yeah, this opening is insane. <laughs> yes. We start off with Jane Lynch. Oh, right off the top. I want to nominate the actress Jane Lynch for okay. lesbian of the episode. I like the distinction with the actress and not the character. I don't think Maxine has gay vibes. No, no, no. Me neither. For multiple, multiple reasons. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to give someone like Maxine lesbian of the episode. No. But Jane Lynch, who is a literal lesbian, I would like to give her lesbian of the episode. Okay. Or like, or nominate her. Can I nominate Sue Sylvester from Glee as lesbian of the episode? <laughs> yes. Thank you. In, in lieu of Maxine Bennett. Yes. Because we start off with our Mary Alice monologue saying that once a month, the cream of the crop, he is the creme de la creme of the women, the cremiest women, yes, the creamiest women uh, in Wisteria Lane. They attend a semi-formal lunch <laughs> at Maxine Bennett's. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was Jane Lynch right off the bat. That tall woman. That tall woman. Me. You cannot. <laughs> she's six foot nine. She's large. She's in charge. I wish I was six foot nine. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Do you know where I'd be if I was six foot nine? The NBA. Yeah, I'd be playing basketball. I wouldn't be here with you, which <gasps> I'd, I'd lose. You do lose that. I, I would lose. Yeah. But I'd yeah. also be six foot nine and I'd be playing basketball and I'd be dunking on everyone. <laughs> anyway. Now we dunk on people with desperate housewives knowledge. Yes. We dunk on people. I don't know. <laughs> we are told that everybody loves these lunches. Ooh, Maxine. They're so great. Maxine is so great. Everyone loves her except for Bree. Bree's like this lying bitch. Yeah. I like how in the episode it doesn't say Bree. It's just like a redheaded woman. <laughs> it could Think be anyone. She, yeah. Bree's the only redhead in Fairview. Yeah. If she sees someone else dye their hair red, she like approaches them with a bottle of bleach and she's like, get the fuck out. She yeah. gets that shotgun. She's like, I'm the only redhead in this town, baby. That's it. <laughs> I hope there's no more redheads in the show. Uh-oh. <gasps> Ooh, anyone that's in the series, don't tell them. <laughs> I did, okay, I didn't want to nominate Maxine for Let's Be in the episode, but I did say there was a moment where Brie and Maxine had loaded eye contact that was a little gay, but I refused to nominate her. Yes. But basically, Brie is pretty suspicious about how Maxine is able to pull off these extravagant kind of dinners and lunches or whatever they are, these extravagant kind of get togethers for the ladies. And she ends up telling her friend to the left that there's like a pudding that they're eating. And she's like, this has to cool for six hours. There's no way she did that. And all, you know, multiple courses that are all perfectly pristinely made as well as cleaning the house, getting everything ready. Like Brie just doesn't believe that she's capable of it on her own. And she tries to call her out in front of all the ladies being like, what caterer do you use? Maxine and Maxine swears that it's all her and that she hasn't had any help. And, Brie does not believe her, but we are quickly interrupted. This little luncheon is interrupted by a knock at the door and it's the FBI. I I was shocked. I was floored. I knew what was going to happen before it happened. You did. I made a guess that she was using illegal labor of some sort. Okay. That makes sense. Um, just because if they're trying to set it up that, Maxine doesn't like if they're trying to set up that Bria is suspicious that Maxine can't do all of this I was wondering oh is she like using other people to do it yes and she was you are correct yeah one woman mm-hmm. that she had locked in her kitchen it was like a padlocked room yeah did no one like go to the bathroom they go hey I gotta go what gonna go wash my hands and like look over and see that the kitchen is fucking padlocked like a giant padlock and then maxine goes oh don't worry my kids are in there (laughs) 
Yeah, like what? What, yeah. what, what would have been her excuse if someone had walked by the kitchen door? I don't know. Basically, they kick it in and they see a young woman named Zhao Mei, who we, I think we learn her name later. Yeah. But uh, she's just like baking a cake in there and the, the cops pull her out and pretty immediately arrest Maxine for involuntary servitude, which mm-hmm. she was keeping, not only keeping Zhao Mei hostage, but keeping her as a slave in yeah. her home, which is fucking wild to me. Um. And then Mary Alice comes back at the end of that scene and goes, well, I guess the proof is in the pudding. That was wild. And how Brie had a little bit of glee because she was correct. Yeah. I was like, what? I was also very surprised that Jane Lynch was not just a small time role in the whole episode. Yeah. Because I feel like whenever they introduce a name, and Jane Lynch is a name, maybe not quite as much at this point in her career i mean this was what this was 2006 mm-hmm. she had done the she hadn't done the l word yet no she no she hadn't done the l word she was in best in show i feel like she's a pretty prominent comedian even yeah. at this time but she would go on to do the l word another l word crossover mm-hmm. didn't even think about that uh great character in the l word <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about her in her, like, zoot suits in the L word. <laughs> oh, I wish she was wearing a zoot suit here. That would be absolutely wild. <laughs> she wouldn't be on, in Fairview if oh, she, if she right. wore zoot suits. She's wearing a little zoot suit. Um, but, yeah, and then she did Glee pretty shortly after this. Like about 2009. Three, yeah, about three years after this. So maybe her bit. I feel like Glee, for me, Glee is where she came into my periphery. But I was yes. also, like, 14 when that happened. So. She came into my periphery when she did Annie on Broadway. As Miss Hannigan. Yeah. Her Tony performance of Little Girls is amazing. <laughs> I can't believe you're. Oh, I didn't even notice you're wearing your Jane Lynch as Al- as Miss Hannigan yeah. t shirt. I am. I almost said Jane Lynch as Allison Hannigan, and then I imagined Jane Lynch as Willow and Buffy. Anyway, <laughs> I could make you an edit. Thank you. I can't believe I'm going to actually make you a Jane Lynch as Miss Hannigan t-shirt. What do you mean? I'm already wearing it. I'm going to make you another one. Oh, Sorry. okay. Thanks. Yeah. Can you get it signed? I Yeah, I will. Okay, yeah. cool. Me and Jane are really close. Uh, but yeah, I agree that it's pretty shocking that they got a, a pretty decently famous person on the show and she wasn't utilized really other than this cold open. Yeah. Maybe she'll make another appearance. I, I who have seen the series, generally don't remember. I feel like she's probably going to jail, but whatever and then we get the shortened version of the opening credits i believe and then we come back into a mary alice monologue about unlikely friendships yeah we see a little montage of a few unlikely friendships in the neighborhood one of which was like i thought was kind of funny was like a guy like a just a biker and a a, business woman yeah like (laughs) them she had a teacup in the park and he had a beer in the park and i just thought that was a little heavy-handed but kind of funny and mary alice has a common purpose brings them together and that's how a lot of unlikely friendships begin I really like that because as she's ending that sentence, we see Edie and Susan <laughs> power, power walking. walking over over to Brie Vandekamp. And right away, they're like, okay, what's what's up with you and Betty Applewhite? What's the tea with the Applewhite? Are you dating? Are you <laughs> married? Are you just seeing like how you feel about each other before you dive into something serious? Like what's going on? And Brie kind of plays dumb, and Edie is like, "What? What the fuck's up, Queen?" And Detective Edie is like, cl- "Like somebody told me that Klusky told them that Mathiel, 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 is dating." Ma- oh yeah, that's a good ship name. Danthu, Danthu or Mathiel? Danthu is my cousin's name. Danthu Mathiel is a full name. That she was like, I know that Danthu Mathiel is dating. And Brie is actually kind of shocked that people in the neighborhood know about that now, which, uh, you know, probably is an important thing. And yeah, they're basically like, is that why you're being close with her now? Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And Susan keeps trying to be like, chill out, Edie, chill out. And Edie is like, you hated the Apple Whites the most. None of us thought they were up to something until you told us. So what is going on? But Brie just says, you need to trust me. You need to just let it go and just trust me yeah she's like if you don't trust me then i guess i overestimated how deep our friendship was oh yeah that shut them down real quick yeah and then we cut to tommy in the workplace he's holding a bunch of posters and paper and things like that in his arms he walks up to lynette and we find out he's been here for a week and Mm -hmm. that all of his pitches are getting rejected 
and he immediately is crawling over to his wife to give him some rope and he's like come on just just make ed like me please and lynette is like this is your thing that's you have to find a way to connect to him this is your job and I'm glad Lynette put her foot down and that it wasn't a huge fight because that's literally what Lynette said to you last week, dude, when Mm -hmm. you accepted the job, she was like, I can't be, he basically, I don't think that she wants to show favoritism to him. She wants to be a, a, a pretty just and equal boss, which I agree with. I agree with her putting her foot down and being like, you wanted this job. You have to figure out how to really kick ass at it. It's not my job to, to hold your hand. Yeah. So I liked that moment for Lynette. I was like, Thank you, thank you. I did as well because she really made that big compromise yes. last episode when she didn't want him to work with her. Yeah. And she said, you know what? It's fine. You can work here, but you have to put in the work. And I'm glad she's sticking to that. Yeah, I'm glad that she's like making sure those boundaries stay where they are because I think that that will help them just navigate working together more if mm-hmm. she just holds tight to those boundaries. And they go into a meeting. Uh, another pitch some sort of weird bacon pitch and which oh now i realize i'm just not realizing it comes back later Mm -hmm. i didn't even connect that but because i remember this one because ed makes a comment at the end of his pitch where he goes you're making the pig eat the bacon and tom's (laughs) like yeah what of it what's up (laughs) what's up that's their cousin they eat their friends what's up it kind of reminds me of chick-fil-a thing about how the cows want people to eat chicken i had a similar thought you know what i mean like then that one's more smart right because they're like they want the cows want you to eat less beef and eat more chicken so i think that 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 one makes sense to me but yeah i i agree with ed that pigs eating themselves feels a little cannibalistic but for i forget how this happens but tom somehow mentions that he was in a frat and then ed lights up like a fucking christmas tree because he was also in a frat and then they start getting very like frat bro Greek life with each other. And this begins what happens for this whole episode with Tom and Lynette. Yes. This frat bro thing. But I don't think we see a lot of it now because we cut to a different scene. No. Yes. <laughs> you go, no, the episode's over. <laughs> I start rolling the credits by hand. <laughs> and then we cut to Gabby and the priest. Priest, priest, priest. <laughs> and the priest is telling Gabby and Carlos, mm-hmm. this is Xiaomei. She w- was taken from this woman's house. Yeah. And until we can send her back home, she's going to stay with you. And Gabby's pretty upset with this. Yeah. And it, it seems like he was talking to Carlos before Gabby arrived. It seemed like Carlos accepted this pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Which... I yeah. think it's 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 not a bad thing. Like, no. they just let her into your house and stay with you for a bit. Gabby, the way uh, she is talking about this woman. Bad. It's bad. Bad, 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 like, bad, bad. Oh, God. I just, yeah, I didn't, I did not appreciate Gabby using the phrase Underground Railroad, equating that with this. That just felt really inappropriate to me. She also used a phrase that says looks well fed. Yeah. And I, Honestly, Gabby, eat my fucking shorts. (laughs) Yeah, Gabby in this episode, like, the second I get really into Gabby, they give her a really problematic storyline, which I I don't love. And I think it's, they give her these sort of problematic things to say because she's, like, vapid and and, and into herself. But I just, I hate it because I feel like we we get growth from Gabby. And then they give her plot lines like this. And it's, like, one step forward, two steps back. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And Yeah. Yeah, I felt really uncomfortable with this. I really agreed with Carlos. She only needed a place to stay for a couple of days. I think that Carlos has made it pretty clear at this point that the church is an important part of his life. I'm actually not hating Carlos recently. Like, I like it when he's more connected to his faith and just being a nice person. Yeah, and he's actively not being, like, physically abusive to her. Yeah, I think he's chilled out a lot and... Clearly, he has made it very, very clear that the church is an important thing to him. And I think that when Gabby was like, I can't believe he's making us his go-to for charity. And Carlos was like, why is that bad? I like that. And I just, I, I don't know. I just Once again, we, I feel a little repetitive with the Carlos-Gabby stuff. And yeah, I was upset with Gabby for being so rude about Jaume just needing somewhere to stay for like literally three days. Mm-hmm. Oy vey. Oy vey. But yeah, I, I never I mean, in my life thought I would feel this way, but I, I am on Carlos's side with this. Uh, just 
be yeah. be a nice person and let someone stay in your guest room for a couple days. Yeah. And then after that scene, we cut to Danielle <laughs> brushing her hair at the table. I was disgusted. <laughs> Is this a joke or are you genuinely? I am joking. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, cool. I'll be more clear. She could have got her little hairs all over the table. And little yeah. And sitting your food, you're eating spaghetti and something. You got a Danielle hair in well, your mouth. I mean, hair is just noodles. That if is. If you really think about it. I forgot it. about that. Whenever you're I right. make a bowl of spaghetti, I just take a haircut. I put all those hairs in the pot. I boil them for mm-hmm. safety. Yes. And then I slurp them down dry. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Danielle's being kind of bratty. Yes. And Brie is like, you fucking gave up our family secrets to the apple whites you just handed over blackmail material to your boyfriend's mommy and i'm mad at you and i should be and i agree with brie daniel's being a fucking brat i want to know where andrew is during all of this because they're talking about him he's just upstairs taking a nap he's just upstairs topping justin yeah yeah topped (laughs) um they're verse (laughs) but i I thought it was very funny how Denise's whole shtick this Denise. scene was Danielle. <laughs> We're back to you messing her name up. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um I I just I thought it was very funny how her shtick this scene was Mom, just be honest with them. Mom, why don't you just tell the truth even though I already did. <laughs> it was just weird. Just like why can't you be friends with my boyfriend's mom? mom it was just it we're was in love. we're in love we're the romeo and juliet of wisteria lane it didn't make a lot of sense to me uh, yeah also i think that andrew should be involved in this because now the stakes are he could go to jail yeah why is he not involved in this plot point he doesn't care i cannot remember the last time we saw andrew i think it was only a couple episodes we haven't seen ago. a lot of the guys because now that i think about it this episode was the first time we've seen mike in a long time we've we seen a lot seen... of tom and carlos yes we have not seen paul or zach in like a thousand years we haven't seen the babies really we haven't seen we haven't seen the babies like we've seen them maybe once this season this is it's just they're they're the balance of characters is 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 weird to me yeah but hey we cut away to a knock well oh, oh i was gonna say the ending of this scene is very wild because brie starts talking to danielle about how her stepmom growing up told her <gasps> that she had all of these assets. She was beautiful. She was cunning. Oh, she... we should put this in the episode. Yes. Is that what you really think, Danielle? I should go to Mrs. Applewhite, be nice, and then she'll hand over all her secrets? Yeah. When I was young, my stepmother told me that I was very lucky. I possessed beauty, wit, cunning, and insight. These were weapons all women needed to survive in the world. So? So take good care of your looks, Danielle. You don't have any other weapons at your disposal. She insulted Danielle to her face. She insulted. She was basically (laughs) like, be careful, Danielle. You don't have any other weapons at your disposal. Can I tell you something? What? I thought it was fucking funny. It was. (laughs) Fucking... Get wrecked. Get wrecked, <laughs> Danielle. Honestly, I'm a Brie stan, so Danielle, get fucking wrecked, okay? That was wild. I love that monologue. It's very good. I'm glad that the audience can also hear it, because then we cut to a knock at Carl and Edie's house, and Susan has realized that her insurance ran out, and she didn't realize it. Apparently, when Lonnie went to jail, he let the policy run out, and she was not aware that her insurance was getting completely fucked, and she wants help from Carl, who we now know is a lawyer because everyone is coming to him this season for, with law advice. And she wants Carl to help figure out what she can do legally to help get her insurance corrected so that she can get her surgery for her wandering spleen that is apparently careening at a rapid rate towards her heart. That's wild. That is, is that a re- it's gotta be real. I feel like, right? That's gotta be real. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Someone tell us if you've ever had experience with a wandering spleen that went careening to your heart. I also wrote, Edie bought a ski condo with this man? Yeah. After last episode. I was thinking. She dumped her savings into a ski condo with this piece of shit man. Edie leave Carl challenge. Edie kiss Susan challenge. Edie kiss Mackenzie challenge. Kiss me challenge. Edie let me take care of you challenge. (laughs) Yeah, I was pretty shocked that after last episode... 
which I should now know there's no continuity with some of the characters, but I was just shocked that they were fighting all the time and she still bought a ski condo with him. That feels like heavy. That feels like a lot. Yeah. Feels a lot. But Edie, Edie does come up with a genius plan, if I do say so myself. Yeah, which is for Susan to marry somebody for insurance. Just get married. Which, honestly, fair. Mood. I've had that conversation so many times with my long-term partner being like, should we get married for insurance because the world is shit? Yeah. You know? That's sometimes that's how it be sometimes. I do like that Edie and Susan have this little like moment of the two of them coming up with this plan and Carl being like, this is bad. And then being like, shut up, Carl. <laughs> like, I just, I like Susan and Edie as like frenemies and I want more of them together. Yes. But for now we have to go back to work. Tom is tossing candy into his mouth. And at a meeting, I would never do that at a meeting. No, but Ed, he's not really bothered by it. He no. says, Hey, I'll bet you 200 bucks. You can't do that three times in That's, a row. Can you imagine having just $200 in cash to be able to pull out of your wallet for no reason? I've been waiting every day of my <laughs> life for somebody to offer me this bet. And I know that doesn't really go along with what you just said. No, I agree. If I could, I would do anything. Like if it was that easy for a quick $200, I would fucking do that. Yeah. I would be like, absolutely. Throw yeah. all the candy at my, throw the whole bowl at my face. And then you made $200 in one day. That's amazing me ed hire me challenge <laughs> yeah lynette is clearly uncomfortable though and i think that's because she's immediately pinging that ed is enjoying humiliating tom because that's what frat guys do they they haze they humiliate each other he even says i think earlier like um, i would have made you my bitch if you were in my oh, fraternity yeah. i think that might have been the earlier scene like frats are fucking weird dude I, yeah i was gonna say this is the scene he says you're a regular little monkey man that <laughs> yeah that was a weird thing to call tom basically even though he doesn't get it because ed like slams one of the candies at his face he still gives him 200 bucks because it was worth it and this just begins the cycle of something that will not be healthy or good for tom and that clearly makes lynette unhappy yeah but for now, we have to cut back to Gabby. <laughs> Zhao fixed her couture. Yeah. Bat or jacket. It's like a jacket, I think. And Gabby goes, what are you doing? You can't t t put your hands on this. Oh, oh, you did a really good job. The stitching is gorgeous. And then Zhao Mei pulls her into the freaking kitchen, kitchen. And, and there's a feast of just desserts it's like fucking be a guest <laughs> be a guest like she cooked so much and gabby is immediately in love with her <laughs> and then it immediately cuts to gabby and carlos talking this scene was weird for me it was carlos is trying to get down he's kissing gabby all over and gabby this whole time starts talking about how you know how America makes people go into forced labor camps. You mean China? China. But also America. But also America. Yeah, literally. Because America is yep. fucked. America's <laughs> terrible. But apparently Gabby all of a sudden loves America. Gabby Gabby just loves being in America. Gabby is somehow I was literally I think I thought in when I was watching this, I can't believe Gabby's the Republican too. Yeah. This just felt very strange. She was just sort of eating crab cakes while Carlos tries to go down on her and it's basically because she's building up that she thinks Jamais should stay in America because it's so much better than China mm -hmm. and it's because she's being greedy and wants to keep Jamais all to herself and Carlos even says is this why she's waxing the floors yeah are they paying her to do that probably not that's not good no. that's not good at all I don't like that this girl's Went from one horrible situation and now she's being taken advantage of by Gabby. It just makes me uncomfortable. And as we kind of acknowledge, like, especially in the wake of everything that's happening and like, just this is really bad representation, especially considering the only other Asian character we've had on this show is Gabby's other maid who she also mistreated. Jalen. Yeah. And so like, that just feels weird that like the only time we see Asian individuals on this show, they're just being they're, mistreated by Gabby. Yeah. And they're, they're always her maid. Yeah. It just feels really weird. And the scene was kind of weird because they were just like hooking up and eating. I could barely focus on like what they were actually saying because I was so distracted by the hooking up, which maybe was the point. I don't know. Just this whole plot line. I'm not looking forward to it. Eva Longoria does look really good though. <laughs> yeah. Her body looks great. 
<laughs> and I'll say that. That's the one good thing about Gabby. Is she <laughs> looks great. That's true. Do you want to go do a diner with me? I would love to go to a diner. God, to go to a diner again. <laughs> yeah. I want to go to a diner so fucking bad. One day. One, all I can do right now is go to the diner in Desperate Housewives. Yeah. And Susan can as well. Oh. She is meeting a guy that Edie is setting her up with for the insurance scam. <laughs> and we find out pretty quickly. So Edie leaves. Susan's with this man. Gary. Gary. Mm-hmm. And he's gay. He's gay. He says, listen, I want to marry you because I never came out to my mother mm-hmm. and she's getting very old. And she says the only reason she's still <sighs> holding on to life is to see me get married. That's wild. And I want my inheritance. Yeah. <laughs> and Susan Which? seems a little off put by that. But also like, I don't know. I wasn't bothered by him saying that. No. I understand. Like I've had feelings like that as well of like. There's people in my family I also don't necessarily want to come out to. And I'm like, they'll die one day. And then I don't have yeah. to worry about it. Like, I've had those thoughts as well. So I I wasn't too off put by him, especially if he doesn't have a good relationship with his mother. It makes sense to me that he's like, I just want my inheritance so I can be out and be happy. Mm-hmm. Susan seemed a little off put by it. But I think she's she, desperate enough to go through with it. Yeah, I think definitely she's desperate enough to go through with it. And also... I feel like at the end of the scene, she was a little bit more okay with it. Yeah. Because she was coming from the mindset, oh, you're gay. So it's not like you're going to catch feelings for me. Yeah, probably <laughs> as well. So, I mean, this feels like a pretty a pretty good setup. I'd take it. I'd take it. Why not? And he pays for his lunch and he heads out. And then we cut to Tilly and Noah. Noah. You know, I didn't write this down, but can I just off the cuff make a nomination for Lesbian of the Episode for Tillmeister's hair? I agree. Let's throw that hair in the bucket. <laughs> and we'll make it into spaghetti. Yes. We'll put some sauce on it. I love it. a recurring bit. <laughs> I just thought her hair looks great. I yeah. actually love this look on her. It kind of reminds me of my mom's hair. And my, okay. mom, my mom's gay. Like My mom has that kind of like short swoop manager skater boy. yeah skater boy but also can i speak to your manager vibes yes. i i also love the dark red situation she's doing Tillmeister's look is very good i'm, I'm into it so oh, i just yeah. want to nominate her hair specifically yes but yeah noah's there and tilly sneaky sneaky tilly sneaky, sneaky. says this letter taking a page out of the old hubes's book oh yes and she hands him a letter and the letter says sisters yeah Sisters. Yeah, yeah. I miss the hoobs. Me too. The hoobs. <laughs> Someone messaged us on Instagram this week about the hoobs. Really? And it made me happy. Oh. So shout out. Thank you for bringing the hoobs back into my life. Yes, I gotta go see that message. After yes, this. they were telling us that there is a, and, and you know who you are if you're hearing this now. There's a um, TV show in like England that it's like little puppets, and they're kind of little detectives, and they're called hoobs. Like they're like the hoobs is like the show because there's oh. a bunch of hoobs. They're little puppet people who like solve mysteries. Oh, that's cool. So that was a really lovely message to get this week. I can't remember your screen name off the top of my head, but I loved that message. So shout out. <laughs> so Tillmeister hands Noah this letter and he opens it. And the letter says, you have a grandchild. Woo. And Noah's just like, okay, so Delfino's been holding out on me. So I'm going to fucking break Delfino's kneecaps. <laughs> okay. But first we cut to Brie making a plan to get the truth about the Apple White. It's a little Mary Alice monologue mid-episode. I, I was just going to say, I re- I enjoy when they bring Mary Alice in mid-episode. I want her to be more present. I like that as well. Detective Brie, fedora is on. Peach Cobbler is in hand. Yes. She opens her key cabinet because the Mary Alice voiceover says the previous owner of the Apple White's house trusted Bree as everybody does on the lane but maybe they trusted her a little too much and she has keys for every single every house. house that is how has that not come up before because that seems like very very good She's information humbled. to have that she <laughs> has all the keys for every yeah. house Brie could get into any house in the lane i was gonna say susan could have come up to Bree last season and gotten in her house yeah but then we wouldn't have the mother-daughter bonding. Exactly. And we wouldn't have the nude, her running around in the, in the nude. <laughs> yes. Which I, I needed, personally. Yes. Oh, my God. But Susan being naked, running up to Bree's house. <laughs> that would have been really good. Her, <laughs> like, with a pool floating. Bree lets herself in. Caleb immediately kind of comes down. 
he creeps down he's a little scared he's a little trepidatious she meets him and she he seems kind of confused but she's very nice to him and it kind of made me sad because he seems really happy to have someone being kind to him and so then he probably i'm sure it's monotonous not only to be only seeing your family all the time but being locked away and not being able to see other people so we don't really get a whole lot from this scene yet we just see brie say i'm a friend of your mom's and i want to i want to get to know you and i brought you some cobbler and he smiles and that's kind of what we get from that scene before we cut back to the office yes tom is doing some shenanigans and the whole office is into it yeah ed bet tom that he wouldn't eat a donut out of the toilet I call this, I I say that um, the company has shifted from advertisement to fratvertisement. <gasps> Ooh, that's a good play on words. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. But I also thought it was really interesting because Lynette goes to the bathroom before he's doing it. She pulls Tom out and goes, what are you doing? Don't let him do this to you. And Tom says, this is the only way. This is my guy stuff, Lynette. Yeah, like it is going to respect me. And the way Lynette is acting in this scene, I went, yes, girl, give us nothing. Cause she was just like, no, Tom, don't do that. Don't. I mean, in the it. End, <laughs> if it was me, I would have been like, make your own stupid mistakes. Yeah. I like, I would not want to be cleaning up after my husband all day at work. Even if I disapprove, I'd be like fucking whatever. But it's understandable for her to really want to shut this down Mm -hmm. because she's in a position of power. And if her husband is running around eating donuts out of toilets, that might make her authority, like, not as high with some people in the company. Yeah, and I also agree with Lynette, especially later, being like, we need to have a professional environment. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that, like, especially at offices like that, I think you should have fun at work. I don't think that work should just be a droll you know terrible place yeah but i think there needs to be a mixture of professionalism and also a good time and the good time doesn't necessarily need to come from doing wild frat boy shenanigans you know yeah and this is less of a good time more of a hazing exactly it just feels inappropriate for the workplace he where's hr i used to have a job where before I was hired, they used to haze new That's people. Up. I worked on Chicago Riverboats, and I would just hear stories about new deckhands would come on, and captains would be like, okay, I want you to take this bell and get as far away as possible and ring it, and I'll let you know if we can hear it, because this is the bell that we sound if something bad is happening and we have to make sure it can be heard from a really long distance. That was completely made up. They would just make new deckhands just walk and hold a bell and they would make them get buckets of, try to find buckets of water called prop wash to like clean the deck with. And it never existed. So like new deckhands would just go up to maintenance crews and be like, can I get a bucket of prop wash? And they would just laugh at them. That's just inappropriate. Well, they, the company cracked down on it and it's not allowed anymore that's good, for good that's good and where is hr at this freaking advertisement agency mm-hmm. bina where are you bina she got fired bina got fired so there's no more hr but nina got fired and bina stopped showing up and they that's went that's weird weird where's bina i can't believe are we still sending them checks <laughs> what's going on i like how bina uses they them pronouns <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Bina's got their mustache. Bina's got their titties. They're yes. just an icon. That's what they are. And I did think that the um, acting, the comedic acting was really funny in the moment when, when Ed was like, you no, dunk, you got to dunk the whole donut in. And then Tom was like, he had his little, his little tie flipped back. And he was like, okay, God, where's the toilet brush? Does anybody know where the toilet brush is kept? I thought that was a very funny acting moment. I like I thought well. it was very funny. But Tom, we leave him there being stupid and we go back to the Apple Whites. Caleb is eating the cobbler and Brie is sort of asking some questions. She gets an idea of what his life has been like and he tells her that he was staying in the basement for most of the time. And he calls her pretty. Yes, which is a recurring thing that is noted a bunch. And when he mentions the basement, he asks her if she would like to see his old room. And they go down to the basement she sees the shackles on the bed and the steel door. And she's upset. Yeah. She's, I, would say, I did say she's a braver woman than I to go into the Apple White dungeon. 
because I'd be very nervous about just being in a basement that that looks that creepy. But she, I actually really enjoyed that Bree's immediate response was like worry that this like young man was being kept in a basement and shackled. Yeah, and she seemed really sad for him. She was like, I can't believe why did your why would your mother do this to you? And then he tells her, Ooh, <laughs> he hurt a girl and she died. Her name was Melanie. Yeah, is this the first time? I mean, I think we can insinuate that Caleb killed Melanie. Yeah. But is this the first time it's like said said? Yeah, this is the first time she was mentioned by name. Yeah. There was like she was in the reports in the beginning of the season, the news reports. There was that PI. Yeah. So we've heard her a bit, but I think this is the first time we've had verbal confirmation that like Caleb killed Melanie Foster. Yes. Which we have Which- 10 episodes left in this season. Well, I have a thought. Okay. And we're only on episode 14. Like you just said, we only yeah. have 10 episodes left. I feel like if there's more to be said about this storyline, it's going to be like, Caleb didn't really kill her. Maybe yeah. it was Matthew or maybe it was an accident. But I think there's going to be a twist where he didn't really kill her. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be because we are so, we have so much further to go in the season. And we'll talk about it later in the scene with Betty. But like... We get, like, the whole mystery. Yeah. This episode, and there's a lot more to go, and I just... I've said that before. I won't say it again because I've said it ad nauseum, but I don't love the rollout of this season mystery. I don't feel, like, as gripped by it and as, like, what's going to happen next? Because I feel like... I feel like I've had all the information most of the season. Mm -hmm. And I liked with the season one mystery, we were kind of constantly getting new clues yeah and new information and i couldn't piece the whole story together until the very end and i kind of like i i I liked that and i feel like right now we have so much of the story and even if there is a twist it's a very small part of it so it's like i don't know i just i just don't love it it's just my preference i Mm -hmm. think no i i agree i'm excited to see what season three is like oh i like season three's mystery okay i'm excited for it that scene ends with caleb saying that melanie was pretty just like brie And there's some ominous music under it because they really want us to think that he killed her. But then after that, we cut to Mike Delfino. Mike Delfino. Mike Delfino. I think one day, I'm going to throw it back to our third episode of Wisteria Gaze when we talked about Sophie Anderson cameos. Yeah. And one day I want to get a cameo of her saying Mike Delfino's name. And then every time he appears, we, we use that audio clip. <laughs> my, it's like a, it's like a jingle for Mike, but it's yeah. just Mike Delfino. I'll make it as my message. Tone. <laughs> we haven't seen him in a while. I feel like. No, we haven't. It's been a couple episodes. I feel like, the last time was when he was like cleaning the gutters out. That's <laughs> the last time I remember. Well, we saw him go bowling. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I feel like realistically it's been maybe two or three episodes, but for us it just feels so long because we watch it weekly and yeah. things happen. I miss him. But somebody comes up to him. Oh, no. Somebody. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> who the fuck is so, who, Somebody comes up to him. I don't know who the fuck she is, <laughs> but it's... Oh, her, oh, it's Susan. Oh, hey. Um, Susan comes up to him and says, hey, I just want you to know that I'm getting married today. And he's like, oh, to the doctor. Yeah. And then she goes, how did you know about the doctor? People talk. People talk. I want Mike and Susan to talk more. I miss them. I will say, small note, I did forget about the doctor. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) doctor. He wasn't previously on. How could you? (laughs) He actually says he understands why she's doing it. Yeah. I like that. He's very understanding. Yeah. Because he's like, well, like, can the surgery wait? And she says, not really. And he goes, well, then that makes sense. I get it. It's urgent and you need it. And. Do you want to know something? What? Do you want to know what? I I don't know if this was the actor's intention, but when he said, can the surgery wait? Part of me thought, like, what if he's asking, like, what if we get married one day? Then yeah. could, could you wait for that? I I actually felt that as well. I felt I that energy in you. that. And I was like, oh, Mike wants to marry Susan still. And it made mm-hmm. me emotional. That's, like, the vibes I got from that of, of can it wait of. I just thought, like, I think he maybe he thought of himself marrying her and helping her out in that moment. I think I heard a little bit in her response as well, like, no, it can't. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was 
interesting layered acting in that mm-hmm. moment. I just liked it. I so did I. Can't believe I miss Mike and Susan that much. I miss Moosin. Moosin, I miss Moosin. I the funny thing is when I first watched this show, I think I said this a lot in the early episodes of season one. I didn't like super love Mike as much, but now I love him, and I was not invested in this relationship when I first watched this show, and now I really miss Mike and Susan. I love. I loved Mike. I I miss Mike and Suze. And I loved ugh, this moment. Susan ends up leaving because the cop from like forever ago shows up and approaches Mike. And Susan's like, okay, that's all I needed. And she just sees herself out. The cop is like, no one knows he has a grandson. Mike looks pretty shocked. And the detective threatens to start looking through the neighborhood himself if Mike doesn't fess up. And he immediately goes that he's going to go for Julie. And I just loved Mike being so protective of julie in that moment because i think that like the mike julie relationship i quite enjoy because i think he does care about her Mm -hmm. a lot and i think that that just felt really sweet to me that like the second julie and susan are threatened he is like i'm going it's fine i give up like he doesn't hurting them is not worth whatever he's trying to hold away from noah and i just i loved it it was a nice protective moment from mike yeah, I agree. Just talking about that scene gave me goosey bumps. Oh, little boost gumps. And so that scene ends. We go to Gabby again. Mm-hmm. It's her and Jamey, as per usual. This whole episode, yeah. And Gabby's at her vanity, right? It's yeah, like and Jamey is like brushing her hair. Yeah. And Gabby's doing that obnoxious yell very slowly when you think someone can't understand Mm -hmm. the words you're saying thing which jamay obviously uh, she predominantly speaks chinese but she does know some english phrases because she's been speaking english through the episode yeah a couple of times and so it's just it's just a really rude and like racist thing that people do to people who english is not their first language yeah it's obnoxious and gabby notices her looking at her bracelet and goes do you want this bracelet you've been doing so much work around the house you should just have this bracelet she was like it's worth nothing you can yeah. have it <laughs> and jamay is like really touched by that mm-hmm. jamay is just overwhelmed with emotion that gabby would give her this bracelet and that's kind of it <laughs> can i read you one of my notes in this next scene please so we cut to the courthouse mm-hmm. right yes susan meets up with gary gary yeah and we meet gary's life partner and I wrote down Norm McDonald, and then I went, no, not <laughs> Norm McDonald, Michael McDonald. <laughs> what if it was Norm McDonald? Uh, I'm here with Weekend Update. Yeah. Hey there, Susan. Uh, <laughs> marry my boyfriend? I love Michael McDonald. Yes, he's it, been on Mad TV. He's been on Mad TV. He's been in a zillion TV shows. He was in Austin Powers. He's just a very funny comedic actor. I guarantee he has. I feel like he's one of those actors who's been in everything. And so when you see him, anyone that sees him probably knows him from a different thing. Everyone's like, oh, I know that guy. I just I feel like he's very recognizable. I think he's very funny. I think it's so fun that he's in the show. I love I love Michael McDonald. And his name is Steven. Steven. We find out that. Uh, Steven did not know it was a wandering spleen. He thought Susan had cancer. Yeah, Gary seemed to have lied to his boyfriend to maybe make the situation sound a little bit more dire so that Steven would get a little bit more on board with it. Mm-hmm. The idea I got. And Gary hands a wedding mixtape to <laughs> the man officiating. Yeah, I think it's like a, I, yeah. I don't want to assume priest, but the somebody. Officiator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and as soon as he leaves, the men start fighting. Also, I called Gary and Susan Goosen. <laughs> I just threw up a little <laughs> bit. I just wanted to tell you I that. I love that. <laughs> Goosen. Goosen. <laughs> um, so Stephen and Gary start fighting, and Susan kind of stops them and goes, listen, listen, it's all right. I love gay rights, which I will be clipping. Thank you. Put that in the episode, please. Yes. Seeing as I'm just a nice person and I I always support gay rights, let's just do this. And then I'll have a husband and insurance. Susan saying gay rights is everything to me. Mm -hmm. I love that. And she really needs this marriage to work out. And she is seeing that Stephen is going to pull Gary away. And she's trying to just mend it so that she can get this marriage and get out. But... 
Stephen is upset because he wants to marry Gary. He's been trying to, and he is angry that Gary is letting his mother run his life. And Stephen storms out. And though I want Susan to get the insurance, you know, if I, if I ship Starry or Given, (laughs) (laughs) Given, Given, if I ship Given, I think it was probably a good thing that Gary went after his boyfriend. Cause you know, but then, sadly, we get Susan left alone jamming to Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It, which is very fucking funny. Yes. And then we quickly cut to Susan again. Yes. Eating cake by herself on her front porch. Mood. Carl comes up and asks her what happened. And she tells him, like, I couldn't get married. And now I'm going to die. Carl had his finger in his mouth for a really long time. Did you notice really? that? Really? No. He like pulled some icing off and I, it seems like the blocking had him pulling his finger out at a certain time, but it was like unnaturally long. So he just was like, <laughs> and the audience, you cannot see me, but I'm just holding my little finger in my <laughs> mouth. And he was, I swear like that for like at least six seconds. And it just oh, felt wow. very funny to me. That makes no sense, but pretty quickly. And Weirdly, I don't. I haven't decided if I hate this or yet. But Carl offers to marry her. He's like, I have a great health plan. You'd be in sh- you'd be covered immediately. And I feel guilty for everything that happened between us. And maybe this is my way to repay you. Yeah, I also think it will look less like fraud. Personally, yes. yes. Because I also agree with that. If she married this random man. man and then she divorced him right away. The government's going to know that they got married for a very specific purpose. But if she remarries like an ex, that makes more sense. It yeah. makes more sense. So she agrees. Yeah. And quickly at the end of the scene, they go, oh, we can't tell Edie about this, right? No, 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 we can't. I wonder if that's going to blow up in their face. You know it will. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't think I hate this because I think that Carl does owe her one. And also it felt normal to me that he would want to help save the mother of his daughter yeah like even though they're divorced and even though he's a piece of shit they share julie and that's what's most important right and yeah. so like it makes sense to me that like he would want to help the woman who is raising his daughter yeah so, i actually don't hate this from carl did you talk about how he said i'm sorry for the way i left you i kind of did yeah okay. i was saying how he wants to repay I mean, her i thought that was really nice yeah. too but yeah, the the Edie stuff I'm nervous about. I'm I'm nervous it's gonna be a bad blow up. She's gonna find out. They're gonna break up. Something's gonna happen to Susan. Ooh. And then Carl's gonna live with her again. Those are your predictions. And then they're gonna date for three minutes. Whoa. And then when they get divorced, she'll go back to Mike. Hopefully, Mike. And then they'll get married. And then they'll have a kid. And then. Mike will die. You're just going through these <laughs> predictions. Oh, my yes. gosh. Oh, I love your predictions. We cut to now back to the Solis house. Jaume is heading out. And her and Gabby are both really sad about having to leave each other. And I don't want them to win. I will say this flat out. Yes. But I will nominate lesbians of the episode because I wrote, apparently they're in love with each other. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to nominate lesbians of the episode only because it felt like Gabby and Xiaomei were like in love. The priest says that she thinks of Gabby and Carlos as family. She doesn't want to leave because... The kindness that Gabby showed her was some of the most kindness she's had in a long time. Yeah. There's, like, some other, like, weird lines that Gabby says to Carlos in the scene as well. Yeah. But, yeah, the end of the scene is Jaume uh, flipping her sticks. (laughs) And by that, I mean screaming, uh, saying she wants to stay. And so Gabby takes her by the hand and leads her back inside. Yeah, they're in love with each other. and But I do like that they said they're going to hire her. So at yeah. le- I, I like that she will not be um, just working there. I'm glad that they'll be employing her. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just I feel like this is a recipe for disaster that assuming she's going to be like a live in yeah. made that just I don't know. I just I don't know what this is. gonna. I, I personally know what this will turn into. But for the sake of no spoilers. Yeah, I, I have no is, idea. I don't know what's going to happen with this. But that's kind of the end of the story. That storyline for this episode. Mm hmm. And Tom is now referred to as Toilet Boy. And Lynette, once again, tries to tell him to just fucking stop with the shit. And Tom does not relent. Yeah. 
And so Lynette goes, you know what? I'm going to take matters into my own fucking hands. Yeah. Goes up to Ed, takes out a knife, <laughs> stabs him in the stomach, oh, and goes, Lynette. I challenge you. <laughs> to a d- 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 duel. duel. And then she takes out a duel disc, yeah. and it's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes. Lynette does call him out and says, yes. we need to turn this back into a workplace environment. We can't be going around humiliating humiliating each other like this and ed challenges does challenge her to a duel duel and she goes you know yeah i'll do whatever you want if it means that we can stop all this bullshit yeah and so ed rounds up everybody in the office space oh my god and says lynette will eat one pound of this bacon raw could you die from that probably yes can I Google that? Yeah, of course. So according to Google, I mean, I'm sure we all can assume, but yes, it is highly unhealthy to eat raw bacon. And apparently it can increase your risk of foodborne illnesses such as toxoplasmosis and tapeworms. Mm, I love my tapeworms. What if the next storyline is one that has a tapeworm? Yeah. <laughs> because of the bacon. So yeah, like that's... And then the rest of the season is her befriending her tapeworm. Her befriending the tapeworm, yeah. But you know what? I think it, it, they, they don't cut away from this, right? Like this whole no. scene, she fucking piles this bacon into her mouth and it is so nasty. But, Lote, lesbian of the episode <gasps> nominee for challenging Ed and getting it done. <sighs> let's do it. She was a strong she was a strong bitch and I love her this episode. Hell yeah. So let's give her a Lote. Do we want to name her or do we just want to... I have one more load. We'll put her in the bucket. Put her in the bucket with the hair, (laughs) Charmaine Caffey, and Jane Jane Lynch, Lynch, the actor, and Sue Sylvester, the character from Glee. This is a great bucket. But Lynette gets it down. And I love that she ended this man's whole life. Yes. And now we're back to a professional environment. But Lynette has a lot of one and done storylines. Little boom, boom. Yeah. But here's where my next load comes in. Because we cut to Betty Applewhite knock, knock, knocking on Bree's door. And I want to nominate Bree for Lote because she is giving Betty fuck eyes. Yeah. She's giving Betty, like, sex eyes. And this scene, she goes, oh, hi, Betty. And I was just, <laughs> come on in to me. It was just, <laughs> enter me, Betty. Enter me, Betty. <laughs> she just was, like, giving very sexy eyes. Yeah, I agree. To Betty Applewhite. And I'm like, you know what? Kiss each other challenge. Yeah. Brie kiss a woman <gasps> challenge. Bold. Bold I've never me. heard you say that before. <laughs> how, how could I say something so controversial <laughs> and yet so brave? I manage it somehow. So I just want to give her a lot. And that's my final lot is, is Brie in this scene. Hell yeah. And... This scene is essentially Brie putting all of her cards on the table saying, I talked to Caleb and he told me everything. And then we cut to Mikey Poo. Mikey Poo and Noah. Noah wants to see Zach. Yep. He wants to see him now. And if Mike doesn't bring him to him, he's going to kidnap him. Basically. It honestly makes more sense, I think, for Noah to maybe get like uh, his dirty cop to be like, oh, we need to you know truancy or like like i feel like the cop can fake getting zach on something to bring him to noah easier than mike can especially because paul doesn't want mike near zach but also mike does bring up a good point where i feel if noah just gets this kid in his possession he's gonna fuck up this kid's life he's gonna say i'm your grandpa i'm your grandpa (laughs) and zach's gonna say who the fuck fuck are you yeah so mike is trying to protect zach and I don't, I don't love this. I, I, I really, I think that Noah's being weird and greedy and this old man, he just needs to die already. <laughs> that was very Southern to me. He needs to die already. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I, I agree with Mike, but we hear also that the Tillmeister bugged his room, bugged his room. So she's listening <laughs> and she's like, oh bitch, I'm she, getting the tea. She's the true detective. The de- It runs in that family. Yeah. It runs in that fucking family. And then we go back to Brie and Betty, and I love how Betty just goes, so you want to know everything, right? <laughs> Betty's drinking full-on whiskey in the afternoon. Me it's too. like 1 p.m., and she's drinking whiskey on the rocks. She deserves it. <laughs> she does. And you're right. This is what I was saying. We get the whole the whole mystery right here on episode 14. The thing is, I think this is stupid. It is. <laughs> I think this is dumb that we are getting the literal, like, entire explained mystery 
immediately. At least with the Mariana stuff, we got a cool back, like we got a cool flashback about it. But it's just being told to us. We get told that Matthew and Melanie used to date. They had a really big fight one night, and Caleb convinced her to meet her at one of Chicago's famous <laughs> lumber yards. Chicago has lumber yards on every oh corner. My God. We live under one. We live underneath one. We know we're in Chicago. There's lumber yards everywhere. You yeah. can't fucking throw a rock without landing on a <laughs> lumber yard here in Chicago. And Caleb confessed a love and she laughed at him. She slapped him. I no. think Betty so, said she hit him, right? Well, well, what happens is he says that he loves her. She laughs. He tries to kiss her and she hits him. Yep. And then Caleb got really mad and blacked out and there was an axe by him. And then all he knew is she was dead. Yeah. Which now I say the fact that they're telling us and not showing us is also another indicator that there is more to the story. Mm-hmm. He didn't kill her. You don't think so? No. All right. Let's see if you're right when we get to probably next episode <laughs> and they tell us and then they have more. But something I do, I do, even though I do not love this in terms of the the storytelling here, I think that Alfred Woodard's performance is really beautiful here. And it, I actually thought it was a really sad and beautiful turn when she said she blames herself for Melanie's yeah. death because it is her job to protect Caleb from himself. And she failed at that. Mm-hmm. And the acting was just really beautiful. I think that moment with her and then Marsha Cross's acting in return. I just thought that moment of that was just a really beautiful moment. Performances wise. And the, they, Oh, sorry to interrupt you. Okay. They hold hands, right? Yeah, I think they do. They hold hands. And then Mary Alice comes back mm-hmm. in and I really liked the tie in for the end of this episode. It was good. It was really good. She starts talking about how sometimes one person is just so desperately in need and all that the other person can do is offer a helping hand. We get a scene of Edie and Carl on a bus. Yeah, we see. Well, because she says like, before you even know it, a bond has formed. Yes. And, you know, you just can't help these unlikely friendships. And we kind of get all these unlikely friendships. The re- I was impressed by the ending because I was like, oh, yeah, all of those did happen this episode. Because there's Betty Bree, there's Jaume and Gabby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Carl-Susan thing. And then, yeah, Edie's on the bike going, woo, woo. <laughs> Susan's watching them drive by. Which is <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> I want that tattooed on my body e- as Edie, an animation. Edie, like, on the fucking handlebars going, woo. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And then we see Ed and Tom unlikely friendship with Lynette looking f- over at them when Mary Alice is noting not people not many people understand these unlikely friendships yeah but the last one we see is Matthew and Danielle with Caleb looking at them as Mary Alice says but no one understands this more than the lonely the need for connection and they're definitely setting up a parallel to Melanie, Melanie. yeah they're definitely trying to hint that Caleb will hurt Danielle they're like heavily insinuating that Caleb is getting a fascination for Danielle and he will harm her. I, this is the end of the episode, I should mm-hmm. say. And I think my only final thoughts on that is I, I just, I like, and I talked to you about this offline. I just don't love how they're leaning into like Caleb's just Caleb communicates differently. And mm-hmm. that's because he's neurodivergent and he, that's just how he communicates. And they are just scoring his different like mode of communication with the most menacing music. So he's just communicating the, like normal and they're making it seem horrific. The show wants you to think he is a villain. Yeah. And he and just, he feels so and Betty was right when Betty was like, he has such a soft kindness to him. Mm-hmm. That's all I see right now. I can't when I right now I'm looking at Caleb and I just don't feel him being capable of murder because he does feel like a kind, a kind kid. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I just, I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. Yeah. But that's this episode. Mm-hmm. We have to name a lesbian of the episode. There was a lot of good nominees this episode. There really was. Who are you leaning towards? Sue Sylvester. <laughs> i'm vetoing it fine um i'm between lynette or brie in the end i kind of want lynette let's go lynette then eating that raw bacon ending that man's life yeah our lesbian in the episode is lynette eating a pound of raw bacon and kicking <laughs> its ass yes oh i love it and with that, we have been wisteria gaze thank you for listening you can find us on twitter and instagram at 
wisteria gaze on twitter and at wisteria gaze underscore on instagram as well as our website wisteriagaze.com or wisteria.gay and on our website you can find links to our merch page as well as our patreon our patreon's great it helps support us and if you sub to our patreon we have special little gifties for you things like show notes video postcards video postcards every month as well as patron shout outs so we want to take the next second to shout out our patrons aj alan annie cheryl elise helena lisa Liv, nadia rebecca and tom thank you so much for being our patrons it means the world and we are so glad to have you on this juicy juicy journey with us yes we do our <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie, I love reading reviews. Holy shit. Tell me about it. Yeah, I will. They help people find our show, believe it or not. They do. I believe it. And at the end of every episode, we like to pose a question to you, the audience, uh, to help get those review juices flowing. They're always optional. They're just for fun. We like answering them. Mm -hmm. So this week, I think we should say the question of... Where is your spleen careening towards... Okay, I was going to say, like, what bet would you do? Oh. I like spleen, though. We can do spleen. Where Where's your spleen going? My spleen is going to my ass. <laughs> straight to the ass. <laughs> straight like, to the ass, it's going to fall out. I hate when my spleen goes straight to my yeah. ass. Yeah, I think my spleen is going into my brain. It's mm. going to take over my brain, and soon my brain will just be my spleen. Okay, where's your brain going? It's nowhere nowhere <laughs> actually i don't i don't have one okay <laughs> Where, what even is a spleen what does a spleen do um a spleen is an organ in the upper far left part of the abdomen uh to give you the juiciest ass possible oh um it varies in sizes and shapes between people and just make sure you have a dump truck. Oh, okay. Okay. I must have a great spleen because my ass is yeah. huge. <laughs> <laughs> so when you <laughs> leave us a review, if you want to, let us know where your spleen's going. And other than that, uh, you can find me, Toilet Boy, on any <laughs> social media at The Pigeon Wizard. And you can find me, One Pound of Raw Bacon, at Mackenzie Wilkes. <laughs> Other than that, uh, Mackenzie, sorry, one pound of raw bacon. <laughs> yes. Say my name. <laughs> yes, Toilet Boy. I love you. I love you. And to everyone else out there, stay juicy. Stay juicy. Stay juicy.